back to the Out To Be podcast. It's your host, Katie Zaccardi. My guest today is Itai Winter. He is a former music agent, now founder of Push Talk, which is a company that provides tools and services that help artists get in front of new fans, activate them, and build a community around their music. We have a really fun conversation today about how you can create really great content on TikTok, um, some great ways to create hooks for your videos when you're promoting your music, and we talk about TikTok ads. As you guys know, I don't really use ads in my business, but I think that when I do, and if you do, TikTok ads is the way to go, and we talk about why on this episode. So I'm going to keep this intro pretty short and sweet, and let's go ahead and dive into our conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, I'm so excited to chat today. We're going to talk about content creation and ads and all of this juicy stuff and helping musicians grow on TikTok and beyond. But before we get there, Itai, can you introduce yourself to the audience and let us know just like who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Itai. I am the CEO of Push Talk. I have a weird name and a weird company name. But, um, but yeah, we help artists grow through, push, through TikTok. Um, and the reason why I say through TikTok and not on TikTok is because I personally, I don't care about TikTok. Like as, as a standalone thing, I don't care about TikTok. I care about artists growing throughout their career, connecting with fans. And currently the platform that is, that moves the needle is TikTok and maybe tomorrow it'll be something else. And then I'll have to find another name for my company. (laughs) True. Yeah. Push MySpace is the next iteration when MySpace makes a comeback, right? (laughs) So um, that's awesome. So I know that you're really passionate about helping musicians to grow in this way and that TikTok is such a great vehicle to do it. So can you talk a little bit about, uh, let's start with content creation because obviously the best way to grow on TikTok is through creating actual content to do it. So Tell us, what would you say your top tips are for starting to create content creation, starting to create content and doing it in a systemized way? Because I know you talk about content creation system. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So just like you said, the very first thing is to figure out what it is that I'm trying to create content around. What are my selling points as an artist? What are, what's the selling point for my music? And then going out and finding content, um, that maybe other people are doing or thinking of like new ideas that I can be presenting my, um, my myself and my content. So that's, that's kind of like number one. Um, and then the second thing I would say it, that is also key is figuring out a way to sustainably create that content that you laid out in number one. So number like the, the first thing would be planning phase, it's like, what do I even want to create here? Um, it can be just purely promotional stuff. Like, for example, there is there is a school now that's like just barfing, and I'm doing like air quotes here, but like throwing a lot of content on the wall that is super similar. It's not entirely the exact same thing, mm-hmm. um, but super similar, like asking an open-ended question. Like, what color do you see when you hear this song? Yeah. And then that cuts into directly into um, into a song or a music video that you performed. 
Um, and when you do it once a day, it's not super effective. But when you do it five times a day, and that creating that piece of content takes no time, editing it also takes no time. There are a bunch of tools out there for editing. Um, CapCut is my favorite, by the way. Um, so when you do those two things, like when you do that and you systemize that creation process, it just takes a lot of a lot of the stress off your plate and just helps you focus on what matters, which is creating music and not creating content. So how do you suggest that musicians figure out what type of content they're going to create in the first place? Because once you figure that out, then the next step is systematizing it. But how do you decide what your specific angle is or, you know, what how many types of content you should create, right? Like you talked about one example, but what if someone's like, well, I don't want to create only that. So how do you recommend um, artists to figure out what the top like three or five types of videos they make are going to be in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing is figuring out what you cringe. Like what makes you cringe if you had to do it? Because that will help you eliminate a lot of the things. So like, okay, I am... Personally, I'm a terrible dancer. If I was a if I was an artist, I would never ever do dance videos. It will be it would be terrible. Like people would <laughs> like just nobody will watch that, um, or they would watch that and make the meanest jokes about me. And I'm <laughs> not gonna have a retort because there's no way I can you know retort to that. I feel the same way. I'm like you do not want to see me dancing on this app. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's that. Um, I have like good shoulder moves. I don't know. I don't <laughs> but, um, but so, so that's number one is figuring out what you don't want to do. And then the second thing is thinking about the most attractive things that you can do, um, that you have going for you as an artist. So like, for example, if you're a super auto-tuned artist that like you purposefully lean on auto-tune as a as a, a tool for you to create your music, maybe doing live performances um, or you know raw videos of you just singing might not be the best way to start off because you're not that doesn't reflect your recorded music necessarily. Um, it doesn't mean that if you're an auto-tuned artist that you don't have a good voice. That that's absolutely not what I'm saying. It's I'm saying like hey, if your music is full of auto-tune. Yeah, or using it like as a production yeah. tool kind of thing. Yeah. I'm I wouldn't I wouldn't use that. Or if your uh creations are very, very complicated and orchestral, mm-hmm. um if you only do broken down pieces of content that are just like you and a guitar maybe, you'll have a hard time pushing people long term into your your streaming and staying there. Right. Um <clears throat> So that's that's something that I think is you need to look at what it is that my music provides right now. How can I perform it? Um, and then also just researching other artists um, in either your niche or in similar niches and figuring out what it is that they do that you see yourself doing and you can not do better, but like put your own spin on. Um, like there was a whole period of time on TikTok where there and it's still kind of prevalent just like girl in car singing yeah. like that is a, a that is a narrative um and that's that's something that i think a lot of people should be looking at 
as like, okay, like how did Lauren Weintraub or, uh, or Jillian Rossi figure out that this is their niche as they tried it out. They looked at, probably they saw each other's content. They were like, I can do that. Yeah. Tried it out. It worked. It worked. It didn't. It didn't. It's yeah. not the end of the world. Yeah. yeah, I think Lauren is a great example of this because she she really does utilize a lot of simple hooks, like one-liner hooks. You know, if you're thinking about texting your ex right now, listen to this. And it is very simple but effective. And people will recognize her type of content because she uses that over and over again. Whereas some other artists might use, you know, what if this person and this person had a baby and they wrote this song, right? Like, that, that's different, like, hooks or different ways of approaching things that um can make you really clear on the content that you're going to create and also help your audience know what type of content you create with that being said i'm curious your thoughts um from like a stats perspective i know you're an ads person so you're probably looking at those stats a lot um also just from a creativity perspective what would you say to any artists who are like well what what do I do? Because I don't want to just copy. I don't know if I want to just do like the sit in the car thing. It feels unoriginal. It's been done. But also I'm maybe having trouble coming up with like my own unique way of approaching things. Like how can we balance um, the, is it, is it old? Is it trite? Or is it just effective versus like being original and putting our own twist on things? Ah, that's, that's kind of like the essence of like, uh, of writing a, writing a good song, right? Or the essence of put uh, figuring out what makes you unique. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, maybe I don't feel like this comes off original for me if I sit in the car and sing. Maybe I don't even have a car. By the way, there are TikTok car videos that are done in other people's cars. Um, <laughs> like rent a car for TikTok. I, I, <laughs> That's a new business, right? <laughs> like I, I personally know a fairly famous TikToker who does not own a car and she takes a car from her roommate whenever she wants to film a TikTok. That's funny. You got to get scrappy sometimes and just do what you got to do to make it happen. Yeah. But like back to the question, I feel like um, whatever feels natural to you will feel natural to the person on the other side. One of the most important things and one of the most beautiful things that TikTok brought in um, to, to the world overall as I feel like the revival of authenticity, um, yeah. which didn't, the paradigm is completely opposite on, on Instagram, right? On Instagram, you go in, you go to disc, like to discover content from people you actively opted into. Um, and those people are oftentimes very polished, very, um, kind of like, yeah, very polished, very manicured. It's that it's that person that you're you're never gonna get to that level. You're never gonna sit in that that private jet. Yeah. Uh, you're never gonna drink like that fifty dollar cocktail in that um, hundred fifty thousand dollar villa in the Maldives. Uh, hundred fifty thousand dollar a night villa on yeah. the Maldives. It's unlikely that you'll be in that spot. Um, and TikTok kind of like shifted the paradigm. And just like said, hey, you know, this is me in sweatpants in my living room opening my soul to you. And that I think is the approach that artists should be approach should be kind of like adopting to themselves. It's like whatever feels original and whatever feels honest to you 
will probably resonate the same way with with your fans and whatever comes from your heart will probably reach people um, on the same level and if it doesn't that's not the end of the world worst comes to worse you did you set out to do what art is supposed to do is just bare your soul yeah and it's interesting because I do feel like that originality and vulnerability is what really thrives on TikTok. Can you see like in the stats videos that do work or like certain types of videos that do well versus don't? Or do you feel like it really does often come down to just like the person and what they're saying and how they're saying it? And it's like kind of hard to pinpoint a specific thing that you should be doing to grow or not to grow. So one of the biggest things um, that that I, I see, like one of the biggest videos, two of the biggest videos that I got to work with specifically were videos that were super vulnerable. One of them is literally a guy singing and while his girlfriend is giving him, um, is giving him advice, uh, not advice, but his girlfriend is giving him words to freestyle on. Okay. Had like well over 20 million views wow. um, and just went completely viral, propelled his career massively. So that's one thing. And then the other one is a guy just like singing a song to his wife. I think, yeah, they're, they're married. He's singing a song to his wife about how she supported him through all of the shit that he's been through. And then at the end, his song comes in that, that also had like 15 million views and propelled his career to sign a major record label deal or all that, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and those were videos that were solely driven by vulnerability and authenticity. Those two things that are just massively important. Um, so we see that on the ad side. Um, eventually when it's a person speaking to the camera and that I'm, I'm saying that in a very kind of like real way when it's a when you see a person in a not super polished um, production environment, that usually translates better on TikTok numbers wise. Even if you go on the, on the creative center, uh, which is basically a list of all the ads that are doing well on TikTok right now, um, and you scroll through the top 50 ads that are conversion-based ads on TikTok outside of music altogether, um, you'll see that the majority of them are just regular videos, low production value, just people speaking to the camera and are just maybe what they're saying makes sense to other people. Maybe they have a really unique value proposition. Maybe they're doing a, a, a performing something that is super original Mm -hmm. All those things are just kind of like they move the needle on TikTok, um, at least, at least in my experience, and and the data, is, the data supports that too. Yeah, I know that recently you've talked a little bit about not saying new music out now <laughs> um, on TikTok. And so I want to talk a little bit about like building a community through TikTok, but also marketing your music without. Um, not only feeling cringy, but also without being cringy and uh, saying, you know, just new music out now. So talk to us about things that we shouldn't do when promoting our music and then some things that we can do instead to make it effective. 
Yeah, well, the first thing that like I always say to like anyone around there is just be yourself. So like whatever whatever you're going to do, if it doesn't feel like it's yourself and it's like it doesn't feel like you would ever ever say this thing, you probably shouldn't say it. Um super important. That's like the number one kind of like leading thing. And then on top of that, um yeah, don't say out now. That that does <laughs> like that doesn't make me want to do anything. It's like me saying, like, here, I have a koozie here. It's like, new koozie, out now. Would you like to buy it? <laughs> um, probably not. Or, like, new, I don't know, new Funko Pop, out now. Nobody wants <laughs> to get that. Like, yeah. I don't What's on it? Why do I care? Like, do I even need it right now? There's a lot of questions that are unanswered by marketing like that. So I, I, I think the very first thing is, like, build context to your music. Like, your song doesn't stand alone in the vacuum of space. Um, and if it does, that's that's great. You would still want to contextualize it in some way, shape, or form to make yourself as the artist more relatable. So a good way to look at that, at that car video, for example, is hook about the song, insert song. Context about who is the person that will get the most out of this song, insert song. Um, if it's relatable, people will probably resonate uh, with it. Um, like, for example, if I, I'm an immigrant, okay, but if I was, like, scrolling on TikTok and somebody was just, like, if you're, if you're an immigrant and you're having a hard time in a new country, I got the perfect song for you. That video speaks to me personally as an immigrant, and I would probably stick around and watch it. Um, or like if you grew up in the punk scene, this song is for you. Like this is something that speaks to me as a person who grew up in the punk scene. So I'm going to stick around and watch it. Um, so find what makes your song unique and what gives your song context. So maybe this morning I saw a video um, from an artist and it was if you ever, it's, it wasn't if you ever got your heart broken, it was, this is for the girl that broke my heart and that made me think that I'm not worthy of love. Um, you broke my heart, but I want to thank you. I feel like that almost every person that have been through a breakup can relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, and that video had like, I don't know, like well over a million views. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I just saw it this morning, and and I I think that's just like, cool, like that is a good hook that yeah. catches me. Um, and the song was good too, so that that's also that helps. A, <laughs> but yeah, I know. Sometimes I want to be like you guys. The first step is make sure that your product is actually good. Like, make sure that the song is good, and make sure that you're doing exactly what you said is like figuring out these hooks to support it that are connecting. Um. Do you notice any difference or have an opinion on hooks that are more me focused versus you focused? So for instance, the one that you just said was like, you know, it wasn't quite me, but it was like, this is for the person who broke my heart and I want to say thank you versus uh, an example you gave earlier of like, if you're an immigrant and you're struggling, you might resonate. Do you notice too much of a difference between like me focused versus you focused? Or is it kind of the same? It's just in how you present it. You know what? 
That's a good point because I I don't think that I I don't think that I ever paid any attention to that. But that's a good great point. Uh, you kind of caught me off guard here. So <laughs> like, thank you. Um, and I I think that like this specific point is something I, like I, I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and and look into this. But I always think that it's about the listener. Regardless of like whether you're saying me or you, um, it's always about the listener. It's always about you. Um, it's always about the person on the other side, um, because there, it's anything with anything in marketing is always about the consumer. Um, and sadly, when you're promoting or doing these things uh, on on TikTok, you are marketing your music. Like I. I it's a hard, hard pill to swallow, but um, think about that—that um, that your music when you're selling it to someone else or giving it to someone else. What does it mean to that other person? Um, and that's that's always the way that art has been consumed. Is is yeah, the artist creates it from the bottom of their depths of whatever, but eventually it's it's meant to be consumed as the way that the viewer will interpret it or the yeah. way that the consumer will interpret it. Um, and that's, that's a very good point. Yeah. I'm always curious about that. Yeah, and I feel like oftentimes you works better unless there's like a really compelling story, right? Or like the hook that you gave the example where people can still kind of put themselves in it, even though it may be very eye focused. But I, I think a lot of people just resort to like, I wrote this about my ex or I wrote this because I was sad and that's not necessarily compelling enough um, for someone to put themselves in the story or compelling enough of a story for someone to be very intrigued and want to stay and listen. Uh, but I was, yeah, I was just curious if, you know, the stats back that up. So if you guys look into it, definitely let us know and report back. Will do. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a good case study within itself. I have like hundreds of videos that like I thousands of videos that I worked on. So it's like, I, I can get that data. Like, yeah. 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 That would be cool. All right. So now that we have some, what of an idea of like what type of content we can create and how we can create good hooks around promoting our music, tell us how we can have a system to create so that we're not feeling like our whole lives are taken over by just making videos. <laughs> How do we balance this? How do we have a content creation system that allows us to sustainably create and do it without the overwhelm? Every person's different. Um, but what I found that worked for me personally, um, and I, I'm gonna give a few different systems here, but the very first one is batch your ideas, that's number one, batch your content creation, like you're filming and everything, and then batch your editing. Uh, you can do that in three separate sessions. The idea session should take about an hour. The photography session should take about three tops if you're doing two videos a day. And then the last editing portion of it should take about an hour total. Um, and limit yourself to those time frames. Um, and is this for like a week's worth of content or how many days worth? Yeah, this should be about a week's worth of two videos a day. Because um, when you limit yourself, there's there's a concept that's called work expands, uh, work expansion is a 
this concept says that work always expands to the time allotted to yeah. it. Yeah. So limit yourself to the amount of time that you're like literally put a schedule. Oh, my life is run by Google Calendar. Same. So like I put like in my schedule content creation uh, like that and then that's that's one of the methods um, that I would recommend is like batch your content, maybe don't release content for two weeks very early on, batch a backlog. Mm -hmm. So like that way you have, you can take some, you can take a couple of weeks off from creation and then come back to creation when you're feeling fresh. So that's why, that's why we always recommend people take a couple of weeks off, take a breather, come back to it later. Um, that's that. That's option number one. Option number two would be literally taking some time every day to do that. Some people perform better that way, um, where they would get in every day when they're making their morning coffee. That's when they edit all their videos. Or that's when they film all their videos and they edit them through the day. Um, I personally don't like that because it's it's too chaotic for me personally, but for example, my fiance who's in the pet space, that's what she does. Mm. Um, so she will edit her content. Um, she'll edit, she'll film a lot of content here and there throughout her life and throughout all the photography photo shoots that she does. And then she stitches everything together once a day. Um, and that works perfectly for her. Um, another, another approach would be mass batching. So mass batching is like literally taking a day to a full day to do content production once a week, you get together maybe with a photographer that's with people that have a little bit of budget, totally worth, worth it in my opinion, to get another content creation, content creator involved for two reasons. One, one reason is if somebody's job is to entire job is to edit your videos, they're probably going to do a better job than you mm. um, editing it. I don't care what anyone says. Um, if you're an artist, you shouldn't be dealing with that stuff. Like not as often as as independent artists deal with it initially. Same with mixing, by the way. Like my opinion is like let someone else mix it because they they do that a lot better. There's opportunity cost lost here. Every moment that you're not writing and recording music that you spend on all the ancillary stuff is opportunity cost lost. It's like opportunity lost for you, mm. um, in my opinion. Um, so getting an editor involved is another cool, um, is another good way um, to, to move the needle uh, on that. If you do mass batching, um, take a full day, then that editor comes into play, edits all your videos, put together goals for how many videos you want, um, and then you have all your stuff. Um, yeah. Cool. So I want to dig into a couple different areas of that. First part is actually the editor part. So at what point do you think somebody needs an editor? <laughs> like, for instance, I feel like if you're just getting in your car and turning the music on, maybe it's pretty straightforward. You can do it in one take. You might not need an editor, but like when does someone um, know that an editor is going to kind of make their work 
better and what types of videos specifically need editors or have like more complicated editing that someone might want to invest in it? So if you spend more than, I would say, three or four hours a week on editing your videos, you might want to look into that, into hiring an editor. Because um, what you're spending three or four hours a week on, an editor might probably be spending like a couple of hours tops mm -hmm. yeah, on it. Yeah, they can cut it down. Yeah, they can cut it down because they're just experienced. So that is one good rule of thumb. Um, now, if you have like maybe something very ambitious that you want to do, um, or you feel like your videos are good, but you need some extra flair um, in there, or you're, you're doing a lot of talking videos that are generally like uninteresting or people, mm. you feel like people won't be interested in, um, maybe then it's a, maybe then that's a good, that's a good point in time where you should be looking into well, maybe I'll get an editor here involved in this and um, can get a little bit of extra extra juice out of my content. Yeah. You've also mentioned posting twice a day. So tell us what the strategy is or what the reason behind two posts a day. Because I know there's a lot of gurus out there who are like, you know, just post consistent. And then there's some people who are like, if you don't post five times a day, then you're worthless. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what's your um, indication or what's your reasoning for doing two posts a day? First things first, there is no magic number for how many times you should be posting. Um, there's no data around any of what those like gurus are saying post five times a day are useless. Mm. There's no data behind that. Um, obviously, if you post five times a day versus post one time a day, you are five times more likely to have videos that hit um, the algorithm. Yeah with more people. It's just basic math. With that being said, if all those five videos that you're producing um, are shit, so I was gonna say, if they suck, <laughs> then, then, oh, then there's no, there's no rhyme or reason for you to even be posting five times a day. You should be posting zero times a day. Yeah. Um, for me personally, twice a day was kind of like the best, um, the best move because I figured, okay, I have enough time to, be posting twice a day and keeping to that four hour a week schedule. Um, I found that this is how long it takes me. I'm going to try and scale to three times a day soon because I'm getting an editor, but that's like that, that, that will alleviate a lot of alleviate a lot of that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like my goal is, is be able to post and provide as much value to people that tune in on a daily basis. Um, yeah. and that, that I think is, is something that, um, when you're planning out your content, try out a few different, try it out, time yourself out, you know, like say, Hey, I want to produce 10 videos. Um, and on the first week you might, and, and say, Hey, I want to only invest four hours a week in this. And maybe in the first week it wouldn't work out because you invested six hours a day can probably cut that down to four hours um or maybe you can't i don't know but definitely try that out yeah um yeah awesome okay so before we let you go i want to talk a little bit about ads on tiktok because i know you're such an expert and an advocate for it so um a lot of what i talk about on this podcast and in my courses is organic marketing 
And I think that when somebody is considering running ads, it's really important to be thoughtful and strategic, duh, obviously, about it. And we know that Facebook ads, the cost per leads are kind of going up, but there's different audiences on Facebook versus Instagram versus TikTok. TikTok ads are relatively new compared to the others, but talk to us about why you feel like TikTok ads are the way to go and how we can maybe start to get into it. So I was super skeptical about TikTok ads very early on because just because I was worried because the ad platform wasn't there. I started advertising on TikTok in 2019 before the ad platform was even released. Oh, wow. That's Um, really early. Yeah. And then I kept going later on, um, later on. And when the self-serve ad platform came out in 2020, that's when I started using it um, and started noticing some interesting trends. When you go on Instagram, you go to consume content from people you opted into. You're not, you don't go to discover new content. Yeah. When you go on TikTok, you go specifically to discover new content. Uh, Mostly, not specifically, but you mostly go to be entertained, get value, but discover new content overall. And you're kind of like conditioned to see content from new people. That's why when an ad comes across your page, you're not as adverse to it and you're not as, as um, yeah, you're not, you're, you're not so resistant to it. Yeah. Um, moreover, there's no, there's, there's less ad fatigue on TikTok, at least at the current time or in the current climate than there is on Instagram. When you like scroll through like your stories, for example, every one or two stories that you scroll through is an ad. And people are pissed at that, rightfully so. I'm like, I'm not there to consume ads. But when I scroll through TikTok, it'll be every like five or six posts that I see that are sponsored posts. So, and every post on TikTok provides a lot more value, generally speaking, to the viewer than an Instagram post, than an Instagram um, story. So that's, that's why I believe in TikTok ads specifically. Um, and in ads on discovery based platforms overall, YouTube shorts is the same. And as far as like the investment goes, is it more economical to do ads on TikTok because of the results that you get versus Facebook or Instagram? Is it more or less the same? Like, what would you say investment wise? Yeah. Drastically cheaper on TikTok. Um, generally speaking, um, drastically cheaper, um, in terms of in terms of impressions. So you can get a professional person to manage your campaign and reach people for less than a dollar per thousand people. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's like a $1 CPM. You used to be able to do the same thing on Facebook um, with their platform, which was great, but it's, it's not the same anymore. <laughs> um, so that's that's that. Um, used to be actually be cheaper on Facebook too um, than a dollar. And in the golden days of like 2015 ad platform, you could have gotten people to click through to your music in less than like 10 cents. Um, click through like all the way through. Um, with TikTok, it's it's a little bit of a different journey. So people are already in discovery mode. They discover your profile. You get you get your quick pitch in, 
They might hop onto your streaming and stream your songs. But really the important thing is to identify who are going to be your actual fans and be able to retarget them and engage them on like a consistent level. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how would an artist know? Or a coach too, because we've got entrepreneurs, we've got everyone listening to this podcast, but how would they know if it's the right time for them to run an ad, especially on TikTok where organic reach can be really effective and, uh, you know, you can get a million views organically. It doesn't always happen, but you can. How do we know, like, when is the right time to actually put umph or, like, uh, put money behind a video or run a specific campaign versus just sort of, like, play with the algorithm, trust the algorithm, and let the algorithm do the work? Yeah, I mean, one, one thing that I think is... Um is always kind of like a good rule of thumb indicator is if you have a video that went through a few rings on the ladder of the TikTok algorithm, maybe it got like 10,000 views around the 10,000 views, I think is a good benchmark to say, okay, if it got more than 10 K views, the algorithm thinks there's something here. There's obviously value here to those people that watched it. We should, we can push that. Um, that, that would be a good indicator in my opinion. Um, another good indicator is if you personally feel like this is a great video, it just needs to be shown to more people. Mm -hmm. That's another good, good indicator. Cause guess what? Like there are other external factors that not only the algorithm impacts, like how, like determines how good your video is necessarily. Yeah. Um, that's also something that's like re relieve yourself of that like piece of stress. Like the algorithm that isn't the only determinator, like determining factor um, in that in that sense. Um, there are other factors that, like for example, if there were fifty other creators that are just as talented as you um, that happen to post more regularly than you that posted a very similar video to you your video is probably going to get buried in the queue. Yeah. That's okay. Like, don't worry about it. Um, ads are there to help you kind of like break through that. So if you feel like there's a video you really want to get out there, that's a good way to do it. Or if, again, you hit that 10K mark. So should we wait to see though, like if it hits 10K and then it kind of peters out or like, you know what I mean? And then boost it up or do you jump in there before the algorithm even could jump in there and, and take it higher just to make sure that you do it? Like, when do you kind of make the call? I, I would make that call a little bit later. Okay. Um, like, let it run organically. Not to say that when you activate, um, when you activate a, an ad code, it does not stagger your, your organic reach. Um, I've actually, I have actually been doing the research about that. Uh, quite extensively. I just ran a campaign with Lauren Gray, for example. The video as a total um, got, hold on, let me see exactly how much. It got 14 million views. Wow. But when we started running it, it had like 100,000 views. And the paid impressions that we ran on it were 10 million paid impressions. So that's like, clearly it still got like, 4 million views organically, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, so that, that to me, like, that's just one anecdote, anecdote, but that's not the only case. We've had videos that even after we finished running an ad, they 
still kept getting organic reach. And are most of the ads that you do basically like boosting a specific video that already exists or do you create videos specifically to be ads? It depends on the type of the campaign. Um, some of our more full service clients or major record labels that come to us, we sometimes have to create the creative for the mm -hmm. artist. Uh, so we'll sit down with them, we'll script it, figure out, okay, what's a good call to action. Maybe we test out a few different call to actions. Maybe we test out a few different hooks, um, a few different story arcs, all those things. Um, yeah. So notably that, though, you're not, you're not just doing, Hey, out now, right. As the ad, you're still crafting like story arcs or hooks into it to make it interesting. Uh, even if you are starting from scratch knowing, okay, we're going to do a couple of videos that we turn into ads. Yeah. I mean, the one story arc you can do is you can like literally, okay, what's a good, I don't know. Uh, what's a good hook that summarizes. I, I'll usually I'll get, get on a call with an artist and I'll just be like, I need you like on the spot, dumb down your song to me into one sentence. <laughs> if you're able to do that, if you're able to contextualize and, and make your song as concise to like one, one minute or one sentence, like I got stuck, like I got stuck in a, on a hurricane with my ex-girlfriend. Now, if you live in Florida, um, that specific artist lived in Florida. So like, if you live in Florida, yeah. that's super relatable. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So that is one thing that I would always tell artists, hey, like dumb down this song for me, for, like into one sentence, or then like tell me the backstory of the song. Yeah. It's like, okay, I wrote the song about, um, I wrote the song about the complicated relationship between religion and um, um, religion and death. Like that sounds a little too um, ethereal to me. I don't think that's going to work. So we kind of like scratch that idea, but we bring in a bunch of different ideas mm. and just pick, pick the ones that we think have legs yeah. and then definitely not use the word out now. <laughs> out now is illegal in your vocabulary, guys. You can't nah, say it. <laughs> can't use the word. Um, I love it. That's hilarious. Okay. Awesome. Are there any other tips that you would give to musicians who are thinking, Hey, let me, let me, I'm thinking about trying ads. Like, I just want to make sure it's for me. I just want to make sure I'm spending my money the right way and doing this in the most effective way possible. Shameless plug. Um, try push talk. I'm like, that's, that's just that. Um, it's very simple. So like, that's the kind of like, I guess the biggest selling point is, you're going to spend your money in a way that's going to translate fairly, like I guess directly. Um, and you're going to reach the right people without having to worry about qualifying an audience, um, learning the ad platform, which is also takes a long ass time. That's, that's, that's my shameless plug. It's a very valuable tool for musicians to use. Um, and I think that there's something so important in getting support, like, yeah, you could spend the time learning how to run the ads or you could work with the company like you guys who knows how to do it and is going to save you the time and money because you know what you're doing from the get-go. You're not trying to figure it out. And especially with ads, I think, you know, wasting more money than you have to trying to get it right versus just investing in support to get it right is going to be so much better for your ROI at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's one 
one last kind of like tiny feature around that is the fact that like what we do, a large part of what we do is collect the data that we've accumulated from working with thousands of artists and then synthesizing it and matching it to whatever artist is in front of me. So like I can take all the female pop punk artists that I worked with in the past and when another female pop punk artist comes in, I'm gonna match them to the to the audience that responded well for those people. Yeah. Um, and that's why when an artist that comes through um, that that is in that genre comes through is it just it amplifies them and it's then it's more of a collaborative process of okay, cool, we got we got artists from all kind of like walks of life coming coming in and working together to build a massive data set that everybody has access to instead of just competing on like different separate uh, data sets. Yeah, that's awesome. Work smarter, not harder, right? And like also lift each other up. Like if one person finds success, well, that doesn't mean that you can't. It actually means that you can and more and more people can, which is amazing. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today. Can you let us know, you've talked about Push Talk a little bit, but let us know again where to like follow you, keep up with you, work with you, all that juicy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, follow me on TikTok. That's the only platform we're in right now. Um, so that's push.talk. And then, yeah, feel free to reach out um, through our website. That's pushtalk.com. Um we have an app there you can sign up for. It's not a mobile app. It's like a web app uh, where we offer all of our tools and solutions. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your knowledge. And make sure that you go follow everyone. Go follow Push Talk on TikTok. Um, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.